0: Do we call this a birthday episode or an anniversary episode?
1: Well, it doesn't matter what you see or intuit what you read. You can do it your own way, O.C., if it's done just how I say, you see.
0: Mm. You always amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> I once had a, uh, I once had a friend tell me that if I could monetize or turn all of the completely pointless lyrics, factoids, quotes, jersey numbers, former teammates' names and nicknames into something more productive, I may be running a Fortune 500 company. Just
1: just get on to Jeopardy, and then you'll be set.
0: Geo Party. So, you had... An excellent idea for the podcast today. Excellent.
1: Well, okay, let's be clear. You had an excellent idea that we were at, like, the what would you say, uh, uh, like nine and a half hour of uh, about to launch. And then, thanks a lot, social media brought to my attention a uh, very important anniversary/slash birthday.
0: Yes, I would say that's a very accurate accurate way of describing it. We are both at an age where things are turning old, and they don't feel old. So I saw something on Instagram uh, last week or so, and it was like when nineteen eighty should be twenty years ago, but it's actually forty years ago, and. Hey. I feel like a lot of the things that you and I love so much, including the topic that we'll talk about today. Do you want to tell the people what it's turning or what the anniversary is?
1: Well, September 7th, 1988, uh, which actually was yesterday. So sorry. Sorry, uh, James, Lars, and crew. But 1988. September seventh, the thirty-fifth anniversary of one and justice for all, Metallica's
0: thrash epic masterpiece. Thirty-five years old. Or should we keep it pot? Thirty-five years young, right? You know,
1: yeah. And as we'll get to, this is one of those where truly age ain't
0: none but a number. Yeah, this this could have been on our podcast. If you haven't listened, folks, Standing the Test of Time, where as most Metallica hits are, play this in a locker room full of teenage boys preparing to play a game of some sort. Uh, Play this in a gym filled with 40 sweaty high school teenage boys Lifting in the off season for football or wrestling or hockey. Play this later in the night at a party where some underage boys have been overserved or may or may not be under the influence of things they should not have their hands on. And let me know if this still rocks in twenty
1: twenty three. Yeah, uh, I'll save you the suspense. The answer is yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's Metallica has. And it's, it's a testament to their, their crossover success. The, the fact that I know you'll get some metal purists who... And, uh, you know, I'm not really big into, like, the scream-your-head-off, scary costumes, makeup, death metal type stuff. But <laughs> occasionally I'll hear people who are what I guess, uh, what's the right, what, what's, a, what's a comfortable way of putting it? Uh, the folks who are a little highbrow when it comes to their taste of metal say that Metallica is no longer metal because they've been too popularized and too many people know them and your mom probably knows who James Hetfield is. I, I can't stand that, that argument or those types of statements only because, They really are thrash metal. They they are they're metal that is it's it's broad enough appealing that pretty much everyone with a pulse can get behind it and enjoy at least the riffs, the instrumental parts of it. It it does it raises your blood pressure. It gets something in you ignited that I've used this example before. I think you enjoy it. There's a reason that primitive man went into battle with drums and music (laughs) and chimes and flutes and certain things because there's a huge connection, a strange just otherly world connection between what pumps in your chest, what processes in your brain and rhythm music, whether it be lyrical or just instrumental. Everybody's body works the same way. If you hear Metallica, even if you don't like it, eventually you're ready to go into battle.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it uh, taps into all of our common wiring, and whether it's going to make you, you know, put your head down as the fullback and, like, take out a linebacker or, you know, drive through to the net through contact or whatever, like, it, it's there, and it's, it's all just tapped into when you switch this record on in particular,
0: I would say. Yeah, and, and Justice for All, I have so many stories and I'm hoping we get to cover all of them in the thirty or forty five minutes we talk about this this album. But my Metallica fandom, it may or may not be different from others, depending on your age, you know, and and your exposure to them. But I had this weird reverse relationship In terms of timing with Metallica, so credit to the great American. (laughs) Even even now in his sixties, he's very aware of music, and and is has his finger on the pulse of songs from all kinds of different uh, genres. My dad, the great American, was the one who got me into Metallica, so I, I very distinctly remember. My dad had this just horrible 1990s-ish black Ford Escort, a four-door, and a tape deck, and a little plastic container that he kept in the car with all of his cassettes. Always purchased at Dearborn Music, by the way.
1: Absolutely, and still are.
0: We're on the way to hockey one time, and he throws in the Black Album on cassette tape. And that game, uh, I was suspended from the league because I murdered three (laughs) fellow hockey players and I ripped my coach's head off with my bare hands and then ate it in front of the rest locker (laughs) room. But uh, I just remember that moment of listening to the drums and the guitar and Hetfield's voice and just being like, "What is this that I'm listening to right now? What am I experiencing?" So it caused me to take my own monies, my lawn-cutting money and my chore money, go on over to Dearborn Music, and I actually purchased a lot of Metallica stuff in reverse. So Black Album is what got me in the door, and then albums like Injustice for All were the ones where I was kind of like revisionist history almost of appreciating what built the group that I currently liked yeah I mean i'm obviously uh a
1: little bit more advanced in years, so my uh my introduction to and justice for all in particular well first of all let's be clear anybody who was around in the mid to late eighties was most likely if you lived anywhere near the uh you know lake Erie esque area you're at Cedar Point and you saw the metal t-shirts while you waited in line for the iron dragon or the magnum or the blue streak or whatever and so i feel like i knew every metallica song title and i had their album art memorized by the time i was like 10 because you know i stood in line and marveled at all these amazing shirts but I didn't actually know anything about the band. I just thought they were like cool and scary. And then uh, the first time I saw the video for one, uh, which was you know the first single on "And Justice for All," I-, I was I was right. They
0: are scary and cool. Yes, <laughs> so, one um, is an absolute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen the music video back when they made music videos that actually were relevant to the song. Yep. they take you on a journey in that video and, and it is one of those ones where you are a little uncomfortable especially when you're a younger kid watching it like what's going on here like i dig this song but i don't want anyone to turn the lights off right now
1: yeah i mean uh that's uh that's the highbrow part of uh metallica you know the, the video the lyrics it's basically truman capote's uh johnny got his gun so you know when that came out it was big and, and let's I guess just for the uninitiated you know and justice for all comes out it for a thrash metal album in 1988 it hit number six on the billboard charts which was like unheard of and within the first year of it release of its release it had sold almost two million copies which is just like uncharted territory for that kind of music at that time and um you know it had a bunch of singles uh, one, it had A uh, Harvester of Sorrow, it had uh, uh, what else was there? Oh, uh, Eye of the Beholder was a single, and then he had like Dire's Eve, so I mean, just like epic banger after epic banger on that record, and eventually it's now, to this day, it's sold almost 10 million copies, so second only to the Black Album uh, from the Metallica catalog.
0: When I had our interns, who had to work overtime last minute to look at this, this topic today. When I had our interns pull data on Injustice for All, I almost couldn't believe that they charted that high with this album. Given the time, you know what I mean? Like, not because it's not a good album. Obviously, you and I have a very skewed appreciation of them. They've meant a ton to us. We have bonded a lot with their music. And I don't want to be biased, but I love it. I think it's awesome. I couldn't believe it It was that successful uh, just in the general pop culture in
1: 1988. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, my initiation into junior high, uh, shout out to Bryant junior high, shout out to Izzy uh, made the uh, Bryant junior high, now Bryant middle school
0: uh, volleyball team. Wow. Last night. Wow. Can we, wow. Are you going to, uh, and this is a side note as, a, a, am a girl dad now too. (laughs) <laughs> are you going to make her extend her shorts? Because, <laughs> because I, I, I was at a gymnasium last winter where my son was playing basketball and there was also some type of a volleyball tourney going on with girls who right, were
1: quick. You don't get to hijack my story.
0: Well, ahead. who were, who were teenage age. <laughs> and as a dad, I said no, nope. We're nope. We're not doing that. The shorts are going to yeah. be extended.
1: So let's put it this way: uh, if James Hetfield ain't
0: wearing short Lululemons, then neither are you, kid. Yeah. yeah. Well, congrats, so, congrats. That's cool. Well, yeah. So, but my initiation, uh, Bryant Junior High back in the day,
1: was to see the burnouts wearing the Metallica shirts, and so. I already thought they were scary as a band, and then I saw how scary, you know, their teenage fans were uh, up close and personal as, you know, I got, like, stuffed into the bathroom stalls and, like, you know, hit, like, 15 minutes after the whistle and football and everything else. So, um, yeah, it it was something that, like, it scared me but intrigued me. And I think for that reason, it's, it's like one of those uh, Freudian things, you know, you just, it's like aversion therapy. You just sort of like come to embrace it. And then shortly thereafter, I was like, yeah, okay, well now I get it. I'm not going to become, you know, a burnout bully, but I will like their music.
0: That's actually a really good point because I know we've talked about this ad nauseum just as, just as mates, but the music you listen to does not need to reflect the person you are. And you can have an extreme appreciation for certain types of music and not adapt that into your everyday life or how you present yourself or how you conduct yourself. If at that age, you know, Metallica was this kind of uh, seedy, grunge, metal, uh, you know, like you called them, burnout kid type stuff, uh, I would argue that they've become so broadly applicable to just dudes that to harken back to our regulators conversation with every guy knows regulators, every dude, yeah, you you, you know, and, and every dude knows Metallica songs. They know one, right. They know injustice for all you, that hits your ear. And even if you're totally into rap, you appreciate Metallica.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think that eventually, you know, people's you know true colors sort of come out, and it, it, the the true colors of James Hadfield and Lars Ulrich and you know Kirk Hammett, and at the time Jason Newstead for the Black or for uh, and Justice for All, and you know even now with Robert Trujillo, it their true colors are basically they're intelligent, basically geniuses in their craft, and they're interesting people, and they care a lot about their fans, and they care a lot about each other, and, um, you know, they're much more worldly and sophisticated and just better than whatever they were sort of, like, pigeonholed into in 1988.
0: Yeah, these aren't four guys who quit their jobs at, uh, at Speedway, Kroger... Jiffy Lube, and Unemployed, got together, hate the world, wanted to scream into a microphone, so just started thrash meddling in a garage somewhere. They are, their depth of being is Kevin, can we at least just briefly mention the Rogan podcast I sent you with Hetfield where (laughs) they actually get into like who he is? The dude is so complex. He's so... I, fairly balanced, as far as I'm concerned, especially for somebody who's that successful, that famous, that rich. The guy tends bees as a hobby. Yeah, he's a beekeeper. Yeah, there, there. I don't think there
1: are too many interesting things in the world that the Boys in Black from Metallica have not conquered. You got beekeeping, you've got race car driving, scuba diving surfing I mean it's like anything you can think of uh, these guys have done they've taken on you know different parts of the record industry and uh, it's just they're they're titans and they're titans for good reason Um, but I did you know I mentioned his name Jason Newstead you can't really talk about and justice for all and not talk about Jason Newstead's part in it and First of all, shout out uh, to uh, a fellow Michigander, first and foremost. Got to love that. But, you know, you got a guy who has to replace the legend Cliff Burton, who, of course, died uh, an untimely death in the tour bus crash in 1986. So Jason Newstead comes in and is... I mean to say that he was not given a warm welcome is
0: an absolutely <laughs> insulting understatement. They were just they were they were mean to him. There are levels mean. of hazing, Kevin, in the world. <laughs> yeah. We're both bros, we're dudes. We've been through the sports. We've been through the the hallowed halls of junior high and high school. We've Started jobs, we've been on manual labor crews of various sorts. Guys haze each other. If yeah. if you're completely ignored, something is wrong. If you're in a group <laughs> of dudes and they're not paying attention to you, something's off. They just don't want anything to do with you. So I think hazing slash razzing is part of growing up as a boy and maturing as a man. But there are levels to hazing. There's the fun, you're not going to believe this, but I put glue inside his hockey gloves. There's the, oh, man, this is going to be crazy. Wait till he gets in the shower. We're going to throw a cold bucket of water on him. There's that level of hazing. And then there's the stuff that Metallica was doing. I don't know how he didn't just say, you know what, I'm good.
1: I don't know either. It probably had a lot to do with, uh, you know, the money and the fame. But he had to have at least held out some hope that he could survive it. It's kind of like, you know, like the first uh, the first week of a new team or whatever, and you're just like, what am I doing here? And then somewhere in the back of your mind, you're just like, "I'd right, stick it out, and I'll carve out my, my spot, and, you know, it happens. But, you know, and to their credit, all the guys – admit now how terrible it was and you know they've i think made amends but uh so he's he's kind of in this almost impossible situation and to add insult to injury justice comes out and like most people's first impression of it is why don't i hear a bass guitar (laughs) like so you're already getting hazed and picked on and then you work your butt off writing a couple of tunes and recording in this you know, recording process that takes whatever, like a year. <laughs> and then they, Nobody can hear what you just did.
0: The only feeling I think it, that even comes close, and I have personal experience with this, with a friend, is finally getting cast into something. So like a television pilot, and then you go and they cut you out of the pilot.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, about that. We just yeah. sort of edited around your part, and uh, now it's on the cutting room floor somewhere. Terrible. And no, we didn't save it.
0: <laughs> so, the album itself... One thing I have to share with you, because in my total recall brain that does Sparrow from time to time, I have such fun memories of... Do you remember Contra on Nintendo? Uh, yeah. So, the... Play track on Contra is awesome. It's iconic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I had somehow I found a an iTunes gift card in my desk drawer and I had like four ninety nine on it. So I bought a song and then I bought a ringer. It took me quite literally four weeks to figure out which ringer I wanted to buy for my phone. <laughs> I purchased the Contra Play In Tunes. That is outstanding for the phone and then i also purchased the x-men theme song from the television show that ran in the early 90s so the music's awesome but i got to the point where i was playing it so much the music wasn't impacting me anymore yeah have you ever put contra in gameplay and played in Justice for all in the background Ah. Uh.
1: No, but this sounds like it could be a very, like, dark side of the moon Wizard of Oz thing.
0: It is, Kevin, it's freaky. So, (laughs) if you put it in start to finish, it is, I want everyone, I want anyone who listens from outside of our sphere, because I know a lot of our listeners won't do this. Anybody that gets pulled into this that has the kind of brain that you and I have, put it on. And either look up a YouTube video of someone playing Contra in game mode yeah. or use your NES that has Contra, which we still have in this house, and play it. It will freak you out. It is like <laughs> – it, it fits the gameplay so accurately.
1: Well, so maybe that But – first of all, I have to try that, and I'm going to have to come over.
0: It'll because, freak you out, uh, man. It's scary. I, I can go, I,
1: I go for a little Contra. Um, but – I think it's the versatility of this record that makes it so timeless. I mean, so in the same breath that I can say what a shame it is that you can't hear Jason Neustadt's bass player and make no mistake, Jason Neustadt's a great bass player. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, But it's, it's kind of because of that in some ways that makes this album so unique and impossible to pigeonhole so many records from so many eras, you can hear like 10 seconds of them and go, okay, it was made in this year. You know, like any album from the 80s, any rock album, you know, they have this production quality with the snare drums where, like, you know, it's like a tell, right? Like you know exactly when it's coming from because the snare hits and it's this like long, like drawn out, it sounds like it was like recorded in slow motion, like. <laughs> Like okay, that was like anywhere between eighty five and eighty nine. You
0: mean if your band was named after a city and you decided to make rock music, in eighties <laughs> slash early nineties.
1: Yeah, and then early nineties rock. Like, of course, everybody's gonna have this baritone vocal, you know. And and don't get me wrong. Like, some of some of amazing stuff came out of those eras, but like, it's just it dates them, right? Like, you can you can just tell. There's nothing about "And Justice for All" except. Maybe if you know Metallica,
0: you can tell from James's voice. Yes. Just because, you know, yep. he's younger. But, like, other than that,
1: there, you, you have no idea when this record was made. No idea. It could be anywhere from, like, 1980 until 2023.
0: And that's and kind counted. of the – I mean, that's one of the coolest parts about Metallica. I, I think – I know this is a controversial take, and you just – this isn't as bad as when you told me – the whole nickelback and justice for all thing, and I well, almost no, cried. Let's not, and,
1: let's not revisit that unpleasantness,
0: but I absolutely love you know, my my I'd say probably it's it's in my top three Metallica albums, and it came out in the 2000s, it was after Sane Anger, and it has oh, yeah. honestly like. Up top, my top ten Metallica songs, maybe two or three of them.
1: I love *Death Magnetic*.
0: Yep. I love it. Yep, and that's that's a prime example of. You could call that an in between period with Metallica, right? I yeah. they weren't they weren't. I don't know when that album came out. People weren't beating down the door on popular charts for Metallica music. In fact, after *Saint Anger*, people were kind of like, "Okay, here we go. Now we're on the decline. Now we've officially right. hit." Metallica being a bunch of old dudes who just don't have it anymore. And then they come out with that. And it just, I mean, how many times did you and I have death death magnetic on at the racket club playing something? I'll tell you this,
1: it will be the next Metallica record I get on vinyl. And I will get that. Not that I'm making value judgments of anybody's preferences, but I'll buy that on vinyl before I buy Kill 'Em all before I buy Ride the Lightning, and before I buy Master of Puppets. Not yes, that... I recognize Master of Puppets is arguably, in many circles, their best record, and I'm not going to argue that it isn't, but I, there's something that tells me that Death Magnet is going to sound unreal on vinyl and big sound like that. I just, I can't wait.
0: Not that I'm proud of this, but the day I got married, the day I got married, I had a lot of time in between the gymnasium and when I actually needed to be home at my house in a tuxedo with my best man and my brother-in-law to drive to the church. I put that album on in my car and drove around the streets of Dearborn for about an hour and a half. As you should. And you were well, well
1: amped for that uh, matrimonial ceremony by the time I saw you.
0: Just listened. So, Just listened to it good. because it was awesome. But... Uh, no, I'm good. Right,
1: so but justice though. So let's let's quickly hit on this, and uh, I think that this is part of what makes this record so amazing. So you got no bass to speak of, <laughs> unless you hear the B side, uh, the Prince. It's on uh, Garage Inc. There's like a one second bass solo where you're like, there it is, and then it's gone.
0: <laughs> and it's gone.
1: <laughs> but. Uh, it's so crazy because the kick drum, like Lars goes off on that album. And so you've got that low end and then you've got the like super chunky palm muted guitars that make this like sound. And it, it, it's like, it's like a bass sound almost not like a bass guitar, but a bass frequency that like pops through your speakers. And it's like thunder. It's, it's crazy. No other albums ever going to sound like that again. So, um, it just works. I mean, Purple Rain might be the only other rock album I can think of that didn't have a bass guitar to speak of, that like still had that, you know, like low end and groove and and make no mistake. And Justice for All is groove from start to finish. It's heavy as all get out, but that's one of the things that makes it so awesome is that you like bob your head to it and not just like bashing your face on your steering wheel, bobbing like you would to any good groove you know, be it, you know, like R&B to rap. So
0: I think in some of the later Metallica albums. There are certain songs that give you a break. So maybe they're not as adrenaline packed or uh, adrenaline driving as, I don't know, like a death metal album where it's just constant screaming and hollering and, and, and music. In Justice for All, what's cool to me about that album is, like I said, you can put it on Contra gameplay, and the entire thing just flows hardcore, fast, sequenced through the entire album. There's one track. It's the eighth track on the CD, To Live Is To Die. You think you have a break for about a minute. And then Metallica just kicks it into fourth gear. That's the only time in the entire album where I feel like I mean, even the way one starts, I always used to think that my tape was like skipping or that there was something wrong with it. Cause you hear the very faint explosions and <laughs> repetitive gunfire and tanks in the background. And then it starts with doom 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 doom. And You and I, we went to the last time they were here in Detroit. Watching one live with the screens on the background where they're showing the marching men and they explode. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's it is. I've never been in medieval battle, but I have to imagine that when people were lining up against another village or another clan and you started hearing drum beats and you didn't know what the end of the day would bring you. One is one of those songs where it slowly builds, and then you are just fully entrenched in an experience. It's not just a song; it's an experience.
1: Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Um, seeing it live, hearing it live, was an experience for my then nine-year-old, I think, son Thomas.
0: It, it was uh, intriguing and terrifying <laughs> for him. So to cool! That. The way they Enjoy the production, unreal. the way they they produced that song. And they take you through this journey of, like I said, you hear that, like, what is, is my, is it not playing? And you hear, (laughs) and you're just like, okay, what's going on? Okay, And then they take you from, they gradually step you through this process of lighting you up, lighting up your brain, lighting up your heart, lighting up your senses. And very few bands have the ability to do that. Metallica has done it repeatedly yeah and and I think this album as as much if not more so than any of their other records it's every song is a journey there are all they all have dynamics to them that take you different places. There's so many different parts, but they fit together
1: well, and they're interesting They're The songs are long, but they don't feel long um it's just a it's just a very ingenious mix of things just everything from the rhythms to the way it's engineered to the the lyrics um it just all blends together.
0: Let me ask you um, this the frayed yeah. ends of sanity why did wizard of oz drop the ball and not have <laughs> that be- <laughs> Seriously <laughs> Isn't like. it so funny when you hear that oh Yo, and then you hear it in, in Injustice for All, and you're just like, "Wait a second! Yeah, which I, came I, first, I, the chicken or the egg?" It,
1: it seriously confused me because I was like, "I thought the Wizard of Oz was in black and white."
0: Like, yeah, it, black, it, it like, always what? cracked me up. As I mean, I was I was a little boy when I was listening to Injustice for All for the first time, and I legitimately was just like, "Did they make this album in the what?" Is... Do I understand time? What came first?
1: (laughs) These munchkins are going to die.
0: Yeah, it's so (laughs) funny. I always get a kick out of that when I hear that song.
1: Yeah. Uh, Our boy uh, who was at the show um, in the suite, shout out to Powell Miller, the Miller Law Firm. Um, Nick Marco, the drummer extraordinaire of Marcus the Apex Predator and Float Here Forever.
0: Instant connection. Instant connection. Yes. The first time I yeah. met him, instant connection. Yeah,
1: hockey, hockey boys. Cool guy. Um. So, uh, Nick boldly, but I think correctly, calls "And Justice for All" the best workout record ever made.
0: It's sweet. So, if we're if we're going on, I believe it was the Dorian Yates principle of high intensity, right? Remember? <laughs> so he he went against Arnold would always say. Very famously, he trained for like three, four, five hours a day. Yeah. And some fitness people would say that maybe you don't need that long to achieve hypertrophy with your muscles. Dorian Yates was the, I trained three days a week for 45 minutes. I warm up with one set. I take the next set as heavy as I can, as hard as I can, and then I'm out. The rest of my time is spent on nutrition and recovering, stretching, posing. And Dorian Yates went on to be a Mr. Olympia. Controversially lost to Arnold in 1980 when some would say that Arnold came in in his least favorable form, but it was the fact that he came back and popular. But Dorian Yates talked about intensity. Albums like this are perfect for... Let me me ask you if you've heard this before. Well, we need to be blank by blank time. So you need to get your workout done within an hour.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that phrase and I'm getting a little PTSD.
0: Yeah, that talk has been had (laughs) hundreds, if not thousands of times between you and I. Get
1: us past this OC. So
0: here's an album. You don't need to think. You walk into the gym. If you partake, you slam your pre-workout, you grab your towel. I've got an hour. This thing gets you in, it gets you swole, it gets you out in an hour. Yep.
1: And and I will say as a perfect corollary to that uh absolutely spot on commentary Um there are only two t-shirts I have ever owned that I've cut the sleeves off of. One of them is Rage Against the Machine. The
0: other one is Metallica and Justice for All. Right.
1: And I rock that thing at the gym in my heyday like you wouldn't
0: believe. Yeah, I remember seeing you in certain things at the gym and questioning whether or not I could truly call myself a male. (laughs) Because back back in the day... If you had some type of tight fitting tee on, and God forbid it had no sleeves, I uh, I usually just came up and said hi, and then ran over to the corner with some ten pound dumbbells, <laughs> did some did you some like, curls. You
1: were like the guy with the uh, the V neck uh,
0: white t shirt in pumping iron <laughs> at that gym uh, up in the what is it? It's above a uh, delicatessen or something in New York, or yeah, in, in the Bronx or whatever. About yeah. thirty square feet, and there are four guys working out there with Lou Ferrigno as crazy dad. <laughs> if only that dude In that
1: In that white V-neck t-shirt Had a little And justice for all He would have looked like Lou in no time
0: No kidding So on the album What's your favorite track?
1: Wow Okay so Man It's almost impossible For me to to say it's not one if i'm talking about the full song i also have a deep affinity for sort of an unheralded track even though it was a single a lot of people don't really remember it i have the beholder um i think that's just such a cool song and as you heard earlier i quoted from it uh however my single favorite piece of metallica music More than my favorite Metallica song even, which is Fade to Black, not on this record. But my single favorite piece of Metallica music out of anything they've ever done is the middle part on To Live Is To Die. That, to me, um, it's devastatingly sad, but gloriously hopeful and ultimately triumphant.
0: It's for those, not like anything else, for those who don't, for those who don't know, uh, here's a cliff notes of that song. This is the one I mentioned a few minutes ago, where I said you think you're okay, so you're yeah. like okay, they're gonna give us a break. Like this is actually gonna be a, this is gonna be our uh, our slower paced kind of relax. No, get a minute into that song, and you think you are the at the gates of H word.
1: It's just the, it's not it's not up tempo it's just so just emotional for lack of a better word and that the words overused but it's just so I don't know it, it pulls you up and down back and forth uh, in ways that uh, nothing else they do really really does to me I'll tell you a, a personal story on that one so as you know uh, my my wife is uh of ukrainian descent she's first generation and you know has family in ukraine and when russia invaded ukraine beginning of 2022 that was a very heavy night and day for our family and you know continues to be but uh when i woke up the next morning and i was at a hockey tournament with thomas i woke up the next morning expecting, fearing that the headline would be that Russia toppled Kiev and, you know, basically took over the country. When I read that Kiev had fought them off and kept them sort of at the gates, I had my AirPods on playing To Live Is To Die. And when that part came on, I was so, like, angry but proud and just every emotion in between and like my eyes are welling up with tears i was looking in the mirror listening to it like i was just so beyond any kind of emotion that i've had in other contexts it was just surreal almost um so that song kind of i already loved it and it'll never be the same in a good way in in a tragic but
0: ultimately good way Metallica has this just otherworldly ability to connect the past, the present, and the future with a lot of their songs. So what I mean by that is you can listen to certain tracks by them that maybe you enjoy right now. You're listening at launch. You're listening while you're working out, listening while you're running. So you just kind of, you're there. You love them. You love the, you know, you love Blackened. You love Shortest Straw. You love Harvester of Sorrow. It just kind of works. Now that you and I have sons, there are certain songs where I'm like, I can't wait to see the first time my guys hear this and they listen to it before a soccer game and we listen to it before a wrestling match and they get it. And part of me likes to think that my dad, very in a very calculated way, threw that black album in before my might hockey game. Knowing that, yeah, you could probably just listen to Rush Limbaugh on the way to this game like I always force him to. Shout out to the EIB Network back in the day. <laughs> but Or I could put this on and watch watch the match strike. Watch the lights turn on. Watch the, you know, hear the ignition switch, right? The past too, has so much applicability to Metallica's music where you can reflect on things that have happened. Maybe they were good things. A lot of times they're, at least with my Metallica fandom, a lot of times they're the not-so-good things. And you can pull yourself into the actual genuineness of the way James writes music, the way Lars writes music, Kirk, everybody, the way they perform, what they actually embed within the songs. And like I said, it's you have past, present, and future enjoyment of so many of their songs because of how they Express what maybe you can't express.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a very, very well said, my friend. And uh, you know, I think most people, if not all people, who truly love Metallica, will tell you that Metallica has gotten them through something. Yep. It could be a tough personal thing. It could be, you know, just a, a weird time in the world. It could be you know, a game that they, they got up for, or, you know, a job interview, whatever, but it, it's Metallica just there for you, you know? And, uh, I think they not only take a lot of pride in that, I think they, they
0: exist to this day because they know that and they want to continue to be a part of people's lives in that way. Let me ask you something. And this came up recently in our household. We're in that, we're, We're in the safe space, right? Are are we in the trust tree? We are. Continue. Stephanie always does an excellent job of trying to relate to me and show me things that she thinks I enjoy. So she sends me uh, some type of post. It was on Facebook or something like that. And it was Virginia Tech. Yeah. First game of the season. And as you know, they... Use Enter Sandman basically as um, it's not warm up music. It's what like their introductory it, yeah, music. Yeah, or, it's like,
1: like entrance music. Kind yeah, of thing, the,
0: yeah. The, it'd be their their wrestling uh, wrestling music, their entrance song. Right, but they use Enter Sandman when we talked about the applicability of Metallica. Look no further than googling or pulling up on YouTube or on social media. Enter Sandman. Votek, and watch everybody in that audience—not just the student section, folks—not just the student section, everybody in that audience. What happens to them when Enter Sandman comes on? Yep, that's yep. not—that's not reflective of Enter Sandman. That's not reflective of Injustice for All. That's reflective of the band Metallica. I agree, and uh, just the last note. I can't wait to
1: experience it for myself in November once again. And it will be uh, it will be a two-night event where my wife has a chance to not fall farther behind me in a uh, number of times having seen Metallica. Because there was a time, O.C., when I had first met my lovely wife, Irene, before she was my lovely wife, Irene, she had seen Metallica more times than I had. And that was a big sore spot for me. That really bothered me. And I have since surpassed her. I think I'm one or two ahead of her. So we get the two shows this uh, coming November weekend. I cannot
0: wait. Yeah, it's pretty cool I, I, you know to give a family connection. When you and I went, you so graciously treated me to a spot in that, that uh, suite over there at the Comericas. My dad worked that show. My mom and sister went to that show on their own free will, and I was there. The only reason my older sister wasn't there was because she lived out of state. <laughs> so that should show you my, my mom, 50s-something-year-old mom at that time, my 20s-something little sister, and my 50s-something father, myself, with my best man, Mr. Kev, all at the same concert, genuinely digging the heck out of the experience. Yep,
1: and uh, right there with us, at that time, uh, my 75-year-old dad and my 9-year-old son. So, generations is an absolutely spot-on, applicable, living, breathing term when you're talking Metallica.
0: I think we've done them justice.
1: Oh, I see what you did there.
0: Kind of teed that up for you there. I think we did them justice with this. The only thing I'll say in closing, unless you have something that you really want to talk about, is... To all of the teenage girls wearing Injustice for All t-shirts that they bought at Target or bought at H&M, just, just have this at the ready. If some weirdo in his 30s or 40s or 50s comes up and says, oh, yeah, what's your favorite song on that album? It's one word. Just remember one. And you can at least get out, get out of jail free right there by yeah. just saying one. I did pull the... Excuse me, Miss, what's your favorite song on that album? A couple of years ago at a festival in Livonia, only because it really did hurt my soul, that I saw a little girl, cute as a button, maybe 12, 13 years old, pretty girl. And she's wearing an Injustice for All shirt. It's tied up in the front. And I'm like, am I really that old that she's wearing that to be ironic? I was like, well, what's your favorite song? She's like, don't talk to me, weirdo." Police!
1: Well, OC, you know what they say: to live is to die.
0: We're not gonna die, are we? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, if you're living, you are.
0: As my dad always says, I guess. Uh, "Junior, <laughs> cut it out. None of us get out of here free." Okay, Dad. Thanks. i was just right. telling you had a bad, bad experience at work. Don't need to talk about my death now.
1: Can we? Can we at least put it on slow motion or? <laughs>
0: Challenge to the audience before we let you go: put something on the Q and A, put something on the Q and A, leave a rating, leave some feedback. That's really what drives popularity. And uh, on top of it, we are on the Instagram. Hey, share your reels, share our reels with people. You know, share our posts. It gets eyes on the podcast, and we're going to keep doing it because you and I just like talking to each other. But it is kind of cool to see this thing growing. It's steadily adding more people, we're getting a lot more, uh, listens and thanks. It's, it's, it's pretty fun.
1: Absolutely. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Kev, brother. Talk to you next week.
0: As I always do during this time of year. Good luck tomorrow. You know, I'm praying for you.
1: Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll hit my hardest and run my fastest.
0: All right, homie. We'll talk soon. <laughs>
1: See
0: ya. Bye-bye.